Welcome to the Walk in Truth weekend program. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn about upcoming events, our online store, how to donate, the podcast, daily devotionals, and much more when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Assistant Pastor Chris Van Hook and his teaching in 1 Corinthians 7 called Singleness, Marriage, and Ministry. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, starting in verse 25, it's important first to remember that we've been dealing with all of chapter 7, but the whole letter to the Corinthians, it's important to remember what this was all about. Remember that Paul is responding to a letter, or maybe more than one letter. We don't have the original letters, so we don't know. We, we, we have to kind of know what was implied in the questions by Paul's answers to, to the Corinthians. And Paul is dealing with several different types of situations. And as you have noticed, Paul is a very practical teacher, is he not? He is not pie in the sky at all. He gets down to what Dr. McGee used to call the nitty-gritty. And only people my age know what that really means. And in doing so, he also corrects many of the wrong ideas and actions that were happening in the Corinthian church. Now, in chapter 7, he's already dealt with several things. He's dealt with sexual intimacy in marriage. He's dealt with singleness versus marriage, so to speak. He's dealt with uh, the fact that if you're married, don't change your marital status if it's up to you. Don't, uh, don't leave a marriage, because that was a question they were asking. I'm a new believer. My, my spouse is not. Should I leave? But he also said... Don't chase down an unbelieving spouse if they want to leave. Really what he's saying is don't be anxious to change the circumstances that you were already in when you came to Christ. Now that doesn't mean the circumstances of your life aren't going to change. I was just thinking as we were singing that song, man, you guys were fired up. Death was arrested, amen? And I, and I think back when I accepted the Lord, I was 13 years old. I really didn't know what that meant. I knew I needed the Lord, but you know, as you grow in Christ, that song, and you can't help but get fired up when you sing that song, that we're free in Christ, that death was arrested, and, and now as I'm much older in the Lord, I understand so much more what that really means. But Paul was saying, look, don't, don't be so anxious to change your circumstances because you've accepted Christ, but remain in the condition that you were called. So really the rest of the chapter, what we're studying today is really just a continuance of that thought line. So what I want to do, a little bit different than I normally do, we're going to read all the verses first. And then I'm going to come back and, and we're going to break it down. We're not going to break down line by line the way we sometimes do. And you'll see why as we do it. But I want you to get the whole flow of what Paul is saying here. And as you're doing that, you might want to underline or highlight some things because some things are going to stick out right to you as you're doing that. So let's read starting in verse 25. He says, Now concerning virgins, I have no command of the Lord, but I give an opinion as one who by the mercy of the Lord is trustworthy. I think then that this is good in view of the present distress. That is good for a man to remain as he is. Verse 27, Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. Are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. 
Yet, such will have trouble in this life, and I'm trying to spare you. Verse 29, but I say this, brethren, the time has been shortened so that from now on those who have wives should be as though they had none, and those who weep as though they did not weep, and those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice, and those who buy as though they did not possess, and those who use the world as though they did not make full use of it, for the form of this world is passing away. Verse 32, But I want you to be free from concern. One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world and how he may please his wife. Verse 34, And his interests are divided. The woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy in body and spirit. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. Verse 35, this I say for your own benefit, not to put a restraint upon you, but to promote what is appropriate and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. But if any man thinks that he is acting unbecomingly toward his virgin daughter, if she is past her youth, and if it must be so, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin, let her marry. But he who stands firm in his heart, being under no constraint, but has authority over his own will, and has decided this in his own heart, to keep his own virgin daughter, he will do well. I will explain that later. I'm sure you're looking at that like, what? <laughs> Verse 38. So then both he who gives his own virgin daughter in marriage does well, and he who does not give her in marriage will do better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as her husband lives. But if her husband is dead, she's free to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. But in my opinion, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I also have the Spirit of God. So, Heavenly Father, as we discuss these verses this morning, I just pray that you would uh, anoint your teaching, that you would um, be filling us with the Holy Spirit, that we might hear what you have to say to the church this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, if you followed along in this, and I'm sure you, uh, you, know, you may have put a couple of question marks in there, and you may have underlined a couple things because you're like, okay, this is speaking to me here. You see that there are a bunch of different categories of people that he speaks to here. Two main categories, but more than that. So he starts off virgins. Now, that just meant unmarried daughters, but it meant that because they were supposed to be virgins. Okay? Uh, so he's just speaking of the unmarried daughters. Then, uh, next category would be fathers with unmarried daughters then third category would be married men fourth category would be married women then fifth category would be single men sixth would be unmarried women and seven would be still unmarried women but actually widowed women so he is speaking to all these different categories and and the reason I'm not breaking it down line by line the way we normally do is because he kind of mixes in and goes back and forth here, so I want us today to, to look at these categories, but first I want you to see that there's two mitigating factors here that Paul brings out that's going to kind of filter the way he's thinking and the way he's speaking about this subject. 
What are those two mitigating factors? Well, if you look in verse 26, he uses a term. He says, because of this present distress, this present distress, what is he speaking of there? Well, it's very likely that he was speaking of the persecution, either that had already come upon the church at Corinth, but we don't think that there was really a heavy persecution at that time, but Paul was probably speaking prophetically. He knew that the persecution was coming, and certainly it did so. So it's likely he was speaking about that aspect of it. So saying, look, there's going to be distress coming here. This is filtering into the, to the line of thinking that I have and what I'm going to say to you. This present distress, persecution. Hmm. I think that might start applying a little bit more to us here in America. I think it might. Then he says in verse 29, the time has been shortened. And in the New American Standard, that's the way I read it to you, the time has been shortened. And so what is he speaking of here? The time has been shortened. Well, it's somewhat difficult to know for sure because uh, in the New American Standard, it says has been shortened. The ESV says the appointed time has grown very short. But the NIV says the time is short. And the New King James says the time is short. So that kind of has two different connotations. The time is already short or it's growing short or has been shortened. So unfortunately, with all these different phrases in the different versions it's a little bit difficult but if the language is correct that the time is short then he may very well just be speaking about the fact that all of our lives are short right the bible says we're just a vapor right we're like a flower that withers and and goes it's a it's a short period of time and so if he's saying that then he's saying look you're just going to live a short life you need to take advantage of every moment but if the New American Standard and ESV are more correct, it would seem that Paul was probably referring to the soon return of Christ. And that would be a motivating factor in all that we do. And so, which one is it? Well, I I know that, that Paul certainly believed that the Lord was returning soon. Now, how soon and what was his total eschatology? We're not going to get into that. But I think he lived in expectation of the return of Christ. But Paul also knew that he could be gone any moment. I mean, after all, he had survived attack after attack, you know, shipwrecked, all the things that happened to him. He knew his life was short. It could be short in in just even if he lived till a ripe old age, like many of us will do, or it could be short because of circumstances that could happen. Uh, I kind of lean towards the fact that Paul was living in expectation of the return of the Lord. And part of the reason is because in verse 31, he says, the world in its form is passing away. And so I think that he's looking towards that. But in either case, the motivation is there for us. The mitigating factors are, there's going to be distress in the world. The time that we have in this earth, one way or the other, whether the Lord comes back or whether we just live our life, the time is very short. And so his... His views on singleness and marriage are going to be affected by those thoughts. So what I want us to do is to look at each category that Paul was speaking to here. And I want to see what he has to say. And look, if he's saying it to the people then, is he saying that to us today? Absolutely. So we need to take this to heart. So let's start with the married men and married women. 
You've been listening to the Walk in Truth Weekend Program. Hey, we want to say thank you so much to the new financial partners for joining us in our mission to broadcast on more radio stations and to do more free apologetic teaching events. I want to make it clear that we're not saying help us or we'll disappear from the radio station. The Lord and our existing partners have made it possible to be on this awesome station. Hello, I'm Mirko from Corona here in Southern California. I really dig hearing the Bible, especially on the radio, because I commuted for decades on the freeway. The Bible is a box of dynamite, and that's why I'm partnering with Walk in Truth. Don't miss out. Please check it out. Thank you. We're asking for a new partnership with you. If we can now get 89 more listeners to commit to giving at least $30 a month, we can reach our goal and join more radio stations and do more events to reach the community. And did we mention that some of those stations are secular ones? We want to reach people that might not have even heard the gospel before. So please commit what you can. Please click the donate button on walkintruth.com. Our goal is still to reach $2,660 a month before the end of the year so we can get rolling on our plans. So please visit walkintruth.com and click donate. Now back to Assistant Pastor Chris Van Hook right here on Walk in Truth. He says in verse 27, Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. Now look, even though this is addressed to men, I do believe that it speaks to both men and women. Now of course, Jewish women at the time didn't have rights, so they weren't going to be seeking a release from their marriage. But remember, the Corinthian church was a highly Greek church. And they had a little bit, not a lot more rights, but they did have a little bit more rights when it came to that. So he's saying, look, if you're married, don't seek to be released from that marriage. And so really, he's just reiterating the same things that he said in verses 12 through 16 of the chapter, things that we've already um, talked about. And he says, if you're married, stay married unless, and you remember this, unless the unbeliever leaves. So he's saying, don't seek a release from your marriage out of your choice. Even if you're married to a non-believer, you became a Christian, they didn't, don't seek to be released. But the interesting thing is, and it, it sounds a little strange, but what Paul is saying here is, look, if the unbeliever chooses to leave, don't chase after the unbeliever. I know it sounds weird, but sometimes God allows a believer in a marriage to be released from a marriage to an unbeliever. Why? Well, because only God knows their heart. And it's possible that that unbelieving spouse could hinder the work of the Lord in the work of the spouse or the work that he has for that spouse that God allows the heart to get so hardened that the person leaves. And he's he's saying, don't chase after that person. That's that's hard to hear. Um, And again, we... You know, we, we don't like to think that that's possible, but it is possible, and that's why Paul spoke on that. But Paul has more to say to the married believers in verses 29 through 31, so let's look at those again, verses 29 through 31. He says, From now on, those who have wives should be as though they had none. And now he speaks to a several different things. Those who weep as though they didn't, those who rejoice as though they didn't, those who buy as though they didn't keep what they bought, and those who use the world uh, as though they didn't make full use of the world. In other words, don't get caught up in the world, for the form of this world is passing away. So you look at that first sentence there in verse 29, you go, wait, what? You mean we should 
Even though we're married, we should act like we're not married. So we neglect our wives, we neglect our families, we just, you know, because we're so interested in, in serving the Lord, we just completely let them go. Uh, we don't fulfill our obligations to take care of our families, especially as husbands and fathers. Well, at first glance, it, it might appear that way, but that's why we can never take one verse out of the Bible and build a doctrine on that verse. We have to think of all the other things, and of course, it, it wouldn't make any sense at all. Paul has already spoken about how important things of marriage are in, in 1 Corinthians in the whole letter, right? And, and go to Ephesians 5. I mean, Paul certainly speaks about what marriage should be and how important it is in, in Ephesians 5, and so Paul takes marriage seriously, and he can't just be saying, okay, neglect your families and, and go on. So what is he trying to say? Well, let's, let's think back again to the mitigating factors we talked about. And I think what Paul's trying to do here, he's trying to show the Corinthians, and he's trying to show us as well, that there are priorities in our lives. And since the time is very short, we need to make sure that we have our priorities straight and paul is really just reiterating some things that jesus said if you were to look in luke 14 26 you will remember this jesus said if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and his mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters yes and even his own life that's a key he cannot be my disciple and then there's the principles that he set forth in Matthew chapter 6 about not being worried about the material things of life, but instead of worrying about what you eat, what you drink, what you'll wear, what does he say to do? Seek first the kingdom of God. And all those things will be added unto you. So he's, he's talking about these two principles that he set forth. Now, if we go back and look at the Luke verse, I mean, that's a hard saying. If anyone comes to me and doesn't hate his own family, is that what Jesus is really saying? Well, of course not. That would be absurd to take it in, in that sense. He's not speaking here literally hate your family. But what he's saying is in comparison to your love for me, in comparison to your service to me, in comparison to your relationship with me, it would kind of look like you hate everybody else. He's saying that's how passionate towards me that you need to be. And look, we need to make no mistake about this. Jesus demands complete devotion to himself. Can I say that again? Jesus demands complete devotion to himself. Now, when you first became a believer, you, you didn't really get all this stuff most likely unless you took a long, long period of time of studying the word first and you were like, Hey, I don't know if I want to do this. And that's not a bad thing. Many of us had to learn it over the years and we weren't completely devoted to Christ. Yes, He was my Savior, but my Lord, I don't know about that part. Completely devoted. I remember as a young Christian reading verses like this and going, I don't like that verse, so I'm just going to ignore that one and go to the ones I like. You know, the ones where He provides for me and all that kind of stuff. I like those ones. But we're not... We're not allowed to do that. Jesus means every word that he says. Anything less than complete devotion means 
we're not truly a disciple of Christ. Now, I want you to listen really closely and do not misunderstand this next section that I'm going to talk about here um, because I'll get lots of emails. And so if you do disagree with what I have to say, you don't like it at all, you can email me at matthewcolome at livingtruth.org. Okay? You see, Paul is saying... In comparison to your devotion to Christ, your marriage has to be a lower priority. And, and I'm going to tell you that I believe in the church today, and I think it may be a response to the fact that there are so many broken marriages. And we read the divorce statistics of quote-unquote Christian marriages, which are not accurate whatsoever. I, I shared Friday night at the uh, Valentine's dinner that the divorce statistics between true disciples of Christ, those couples who, who read the Bible together, pray together, and go to church regularly together, not just say, well, we're Christians, but add those things. The research shows the divorce rate is less than 4%. That's not what you hear in the media, is it? You were listening to Assistant Pastor Chris Van Hook right here on Walk in Truth. And this was part one of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 called Singleness, Marriage, and Ministry. Remember, one way we'd love to help equip you with God's truth is to answer your question right here on the program. Has someone asked you about your faith or the Bible and you weren't quite sure how to answer them? Well, Pastor Michael would love to help you get the answer. Email your question to us. Visit walkintruth.com to email us or call and leave your question on our voicemail. Just be brief and tell us where you're calling from. The number is 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, here we are in December, and I can feel some of you saying, man, I'm running to and fro. Uh, things are just crazy. I couldn't jam one more thing into my schedule, let alone something that could work on my spiritual life. What do I do now? It's so hard to balance my time with my family, my marriage, with my job. You know, oftentimes the, the church has needs and I feel guilty sitting there because I can't respond. What do I do? Something has to give. Well, you know what? Uh, the end of the year is always a good time to take a look at your life and your priorities. And maybe it's time to cut some of the fat out of your life. Maybe there are some things that are just simply weighing you down that are really not benefiting your life at all. In fact, maybe you would admit that they're a detriment right now and they're not essential. In fact, there's something that's just kind of pulling you down or pulling you away. Or maybe there's something peripheral that can give, at least for now, so that you can pay attention to what's most important. It's a great time of year to do an assessment, to look at your life and say, Father, how would you guide me in the coming year? And maybe I can make some of those adjustments right now, make them today. Well, I want to thank uh, the 10 new people who've committed to partnering and giving to Walk in Truth, either $20 or $30 a month. From me and the staff at Walk in Truth, we want to say a big thank you. That means a lot to us. It means that not only are you being impacted by the ministry, but you are willing to write a check. You're willing to say, yes, I want to partner with Walk in Truth. 
and you've moved us closer to our goal. In fact, we only need 85 more people to reach our goal and get on multiple uh, radio stations. We've been telling you about these opportunities on music stations and even some secular stations and the free apologetic events that we're doing to really tackle tough subjects that maybe not a lot of people are talking about. And we're closer to the goal because some of our listeners have given one-time gifts of $200, $200 again, $1,000. And we are just humbled and grateful. And if if you could write an end-of-the-year check right now and give a one-time gift, $360 would cover a whole year of what we've been talking about, $30 a month. And you knock it out and you help us uh, get closer to the goal. Hey, you can click on the donate button at walkintruth.com and help partner with us as others have done that we just told you about to reach more people just like you. And remember, the goal is to reach more people. That is the goal. And one more thing to add to your calendar. Do it now. We have a very special Christmas Eve service at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. And we're going to talk about hope has a name and his name is Jesus. We've been doing a season of hope here at Living Truth, where I serve as senior pastor. This is the great church behind the ministry of Walk in Truth. And we'd love to have you mark your calendar for 5.30 p.m. on Christmas Eve for a special Christmas candlelight service. It's going to begin at 5.30 p.m., and we're going to talk about hope. And we'd love for you and your family to come on out and for you to invite a friend. You can get information and directions when you download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store. A very blessed holiday season, and I hope to see you soon. God bless you. Tune in Monday for part two of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, called Singleness, Marriage, and Ministry. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. As always, our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.